Welcome to the Syrupcast, Mobile Syrup's Canadian tech-focused podcast. I'm Patrick O'Rourke and Brad Bennett, a man who refers to himself as the bad boy of tech. He's once again across the internet from me. How are you doing, Brad? I'm doing good. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited to talk Apple today. I mean, I guess maybe I'm only half excited to talk Apple. There are some things that are less exciting and some things that I'm very excited to talk about, but how are you? Not bad, you know, tired, long day yesterday, going to be a few more long days, but what I would say is this is the fun time of year, right? Like there's actual cool, we'll, we'll get into yeah. it on the podcast, but there are things worth talking about and interesting things going on in the consumer tech space. So I'm Definitely, okay with like, being, being tired. This week I got to go hands on with an iPad mini and it's like two weeks ago where just people were cold emailing me, asking me if I wanted to test smart toilet. So always, always a better time of the year. We'll forward that to me. I would love a smart toilet. Did someone actually contact you about that? Yeah. Oh my God! Send that to me after this podcast. How, I'll look it how up when smart you intro John. is this smart? I'll look toilet. it up. I'll look it up while you guys intro John. I I don't know. Yeah. So that that's the voice of John Lamont. He's on the podcast again. You know him. You love him. He's here. How are you doing, John? I'm doing pretty good. Glad to know that people love me. That's uh, it's exciting. Um, and maybe that's what yeah. I'll do whenever you're you're on the podcast. Now that that'll be your intro. You know him. You love him. Perfect. Yeah. It's, it's a great intro. Um, yeah. No. Apple event yesterday was a busy day. Um, it's that, that time of the year, September. There's like 12 events in the next two hours. It's going to be insane. Yeah, next week's Surface too, right? Yeah, next week or the week after. I don't know. Soon. Too soon and yet not soon enough. Yeah. Did you find the details on the smart toilet? I did, and I can say with confidence that since August 26th to now, I have received five emails about the smart toilet. Hello. Today I will share to you our K1905 model. Please check below. Then there are one, two, three, four, five photos not aligned in any sense. <laughs> um, and yeah, I guess I uh, can try to send you guys a screenshot. But it's got it's basically got heat pipes in it. It's a pretty bad like email. It looks like it's got a little bidet option in the back. Ooh. It's got like Ooh. a temperature control screen. Okay, I just sent it in the Slack chat that we were talking about. Those those bidet attachments are, are killer. I have one. Life-changing. I've never been uh, the same since. But it has no back. You know, it has no tank in the back. So I'm not really sure oh, how wow. that works. Yeah. These photos really are not aligned in any way, shape, or form. How did nope. they just kind of like scatter them in there like that? I don't know. It's different incredible. sizes, different shapes. Oh, this yeah, trailer looks crazy. It. I would totally do this if I didn't have to like install it in my house and it was just like magically there but this is not a podcast about toilets this is a podcast about uh all things apple today uh, in this episode we're going to be talking about the iphone 13 series the new ipad mini the pretty boring ipad and apple watch series 7 and a few other like things we'll, we'll throw in there as well i think we're not going to be doing like a full hottest news of the week segment but bennett there was a few things that you wanted to quickly mention right yeah, I figured there was a few things I should mention. I'm not even going to play the music this week, but just um, the election's coming up if you live in Canada. I'm assuming most of our readers do. It's coming up if you're cons- uh, not considering, if you're curious about uh, each party's platforms related to sort of tech and telecom and that kind of stuff. Our new telecom reporter, Alyssa Tremblay, has got some great stuff on the site. Um, so yeah, if you're, you know, everyone should be voting. That's coming up on the 20th. And... Yeah, if you're looking to read about the tech side of things before you make your decision, we've got some coverage that I think is pretty informative. I already voted. I, I did early voting. It was on I, the 13th for me, and I missed it. I also already voted. I got in on that mail-in ballot. Wow. Wishes. Yeah, same. I like. I'm not looking. I was mad that I noticed that I missed the early because I did early last election. I was just like in out five minutes. That's what down I. The that's street. why I did it. I didn't. I didn't want to be around large swaths of people in the middle of a pandemic yeah but you have to we vote everyone should vote anyway moving on from from that unless you guys have any other like voting related things nope hashtag vote uh the other thing that i just like had to throw in because i knew we all probably had something to say but the switch has bluetooth for bluetooth headphones now it's it was it's been there the whole time nintendo just refused to turn it on and now it does how do you it's like the most classic nintendo thing ever to add this to my favorite video game console of all time five years after it comes out when it feels on like they the, could have just flipped a switch on eight o'clock the, of an apple day eight o'clock at night yeah. eastern like it was perplexing to say the least just 
absolutely stupendous incredible yeah. i haven't tried it yet i'm glad it's here like i'm hyped about that that's sick um i don't know i don't i don't have anything else to say about it other than i do not understand why it took this long my my understanding with the switch bluetooth was that the joy cons are also using bluetooth yes and so they had avoided for so long uh adding audio bluetooth because they didn't want to conflict with the joy con system or something like that i don't know so if it that's took five years accurate. to figure that out yeah complex yeah it shouldn't it shouldn't <laughs> have but yeah that was always my understanding was there was something going on there and they didn't want to i don't know potentially jeopardize be, yeah. the performance or something i'm happy the last time i took my switch on a plane was like a work event before the pandemic in that life that lifetime different brad different time um and i had to play it with air airport earbuds you know the ones that have like they're basically just two speakers that sort of rest gently in your ears covered in foam and the foam pads come off midway through using them every time you know those ones they cost about four dollars but at the airport you pay about seven to fourteen i had i'm happy um, we're on bluetooth now happy to know i had one of again. those like wireless uh things that, like, plugs into the bottom yeah, it, yeah, I think it was called Airfly. Yeah, I still have we it. Should burn it now. It just set it on fire. Throw it out the window. <laughs> it's it's over time. now. Airfly. That's, yeah. Um, but yeah, let's get into the iPhone 13 and the iPhone 13 Mini. There's also the iPhone 13 Pro and the iPhone 13 Pro Max. We'll talk about those later. I, I think, generally speaking, these phones were the same as last year, right? There's not anything incredibly notable about them. One across the whole lineup. There's a um smaller notch there is the a15 bionic chip we expected that there's always going to be a faster processor every single year in an apple smartphone storage on the base level iphone 13 and iphone 13 mini starts at 128 gigs which i think is a smart move by apple but also again long long overdue yeah the camera systems are marginally improved slightly better wide angle camera uh slightly better ultra wide camera again like you can't really take Apple's claims for this. Like you gotta go, you gotta go try it. So I, I haven't got my hands on them yet. That's something that I'm hoping to do. And then there's also battery life improvements, which I think is a big thing for the mini. That was one of the concerns with the iPhone 12 mini. I think it's also worth noting that this is probably the last time that we're going to see a mini smartphone. At least that's what rumors indicate. I was, but generally go ahead. I'm I'm passionate about the mini, so I just wanted to jump in and say, how sure are we? Because the rumors said yeah. a lot of things. The rumors did say a lot oh, of man. things. Good point, John. They Let's did. Get... They could. Be I know wrong. we're going like... to get into the rumors later, but yeah, we'll we'll talk about it later. But I, they could be wrong. It. I think the what a lot of different rumors have indicated is the iPhone Mini is just not selling as well as Apple hoped it would. And that demand for small phones that we see like in comment sections on Twitter, all over the place, maybe it's isn't bots. as big as, as even we thought it was. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a tough world because like I've been using the Pixel 4a 5G, which I think you use a lot too, John. And it's great. Mm-hmm. It's, the size is really nice in my hand. Um, and I think the mini is even smaller, but like, I've, I've been noticing it as a, as a smaller phone compared to what I'm used to, and I'm really enjoying that. Maybe if they can, like, solve the battery issue with this, like, new, you know, an extra hour and a half or hour of battery life this year, people will will like it more. You know, people that liked it seem to really like it. Maybe the better battery will, will sway a few more people. I know someone who's planning to buy it simply because of the battery life improvement. They're they're waiting for that, and, and now that it's there, they, they said that, like, when this launches, it's going to be a day one purchase for them. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I like the mini. I like the idea of the mini, but when I think back, my like favorite iPhone ever was a seven plus. So I think I just like the bigger ones. I don't know. And I, it's, it's not very logical. There's no real logical reason, but just the heft is nice. Maybe I was waiting for the iPhone 13 mini as well. Um, it will not be a day one purchase for me, for me. I like basically everything about it, except for the lack of 120 Hertz display. That's, that's the yeah, like one, one thing that killed it for me. Yep. So that would also probably destroy the battery and make yeah. battery improvements uh, worthless. But I, I I just want a fully specced great iPhone that isn't that big. That's all I want. I think 
I think that's a good place to get into the the pro and the pro max because to be quite honest there's there's not a heck of a lot exciting about the iphone 13 and 13 mini it's it's a hundred percent an expected update like i know not everybody would agree with me but last year i think was a pretty a pretty big leak and a leak leap in iphone design like it's a, a slightly different looking phone it was a big revamp in terms of the camera systems i know apple's claiming that is the case again this year don't know how much i buy that i, I want to try them I'll, I'll do photo comparisons and make that decision myself. But on the iPhone 13 Pro and the iPhone 13 Pro Max side of things, again, like it's a pretty pedestrian update. But at the very least, there's some things in there that I think iPhone users have been asking for for quite some time. Again, you have the, the A15. Obviously, that that's across the whole entire lineup. Um, the camera bump is like a little bit different this this year. I, I think it's slightly larger. Like, that's another thing that I'm really looking yeah, forward to. Yeah, like, I think it is, is it as bigger? well. So yeah, Caseify it sent, looks large. Caseify sent me. Oh, I'm still here. Caseify sent me an iPhone case. Where did it go? Oh, here it is. For an iPhone 13 Pro compared to a 12. Um, so it is a little bit bigger. Yeah, it's interesting. A, it's a bit larger, at least in the case. And when I looked them up online, the pictures, it's hard to tell, but I think it is a bit larger as well on the online. But so. I feel like Apple has been slightly changing the size of its cameras for a long time, probably just to sell more cases. Because like I remember something yeah. similar happened with the iPhone X and XS. They had the like exact same looking camera, but it was like shifted just slightly so that one was like a little bit bigger than the other and you had to change your case because it didn't quite work you couldn't use the, the cases weren't the interchangeable the, the buttons are changed from... on the 12 and 13 as well if this case is any indication sorry to cut you off pat but just like no, i okay. tried using this case the 13 one the game is this cool little tape and i was like oh that's fun and this other one's like just blue and i was like i'll try the tape one not even the buttons can't even turn it on and off with this case on because the buttons are misaligned i saw an iphone uh, 11 pro beside an iphone 12 pro and there's such a substantial difference in what the camera bump looks like and how large it is and that's not something that like i even considered last year when i was reviewing the 12 mm -hmm. pro but you you really see it so i'm wondering if this year like you're gonna see it again um i, I think i think you're right that there's at least some somewhat of a difference some of the other stuff that's that's new this year there's six times optical zoom i think that's, that that's... kind of misleading as well so it, that's what i was going to talk about okay, um okay. I know last year there was like a lot of, I guess I would call like marketing language surrounding it and like a lot of confusion among people like us, the blog about phones. Again, I haven't really been able to clearly figure out if this is real optical zoom or it's some sort of hybrid zoom. Bennett, you seem to have like, do, do you know what the deal is? I don't know what the deal is like with concrete proof, but like I'm assuming it's only... So they have three lenses, right? There's the ultra wide, the, the wide, wide, and then the zoom. And I believe that six by that six point six x that they are marketing it as is from the ultra wide to the zoom, not the yeah, wide that's what to I'm the zoom. It is too. Which is like a little misleading because generally, up until more recently, phones have been marketing their zoom from the wide, which generally is called like the primary camera. Apple's calling it the wide this year, but that generally would be like the prime. 3xing the zoom now it seems like the, the ultra wide is sort of 3x back for a full like 6.6 .6 zoom yep. i think that's sort of what it seems like to me um because the zoom like when they show it off doesn't seem to be doesn't seem to be six times it's closer to three yeah that, that's what i think it's going to be as well and that was the situation last year there's a ton of confusion about it but again it's a, it's so hard to talk about these different claims that apple makes about the device until you get it in your hands and you can actually use it you know what i mean yeah um there's other stuff too, like the macro photography. I know a lot of people were pretty pretty hard on that as just like a gimmicky update, but as someone who likes to take photos like that where things are super close up, I'm looking forward to it. I know it's another example of a feature that's been available on Android phones forever, like a lot of different Android phones. Yeah, um, it's not so it's something Apple I, playing catch up, right? Yeah, exactly. It's not something I use a lot, but there have been instances where I've been like happy that I had it. And I was like, oh, wow, that's like macro shot turned out really cool. Yeah. Like one time I was at this this garden place and a one plus seven T it was like the Amazon headquarters in Seattle. I was like, and the whole thing is like a giant greenhouse inside. Um, it had these like Venus flytrap display. And like, I don't know if you know this, but in real life, Venus flytraps are like 
tiny, like very tiny. And I just got like this I have, macro shot. You have one? You have one? I have really? a Venus flytrap in my kitchen that it's I tiny? flies to. It's a very, very tiny Venus flytrap. Yeah. It's like this big. It's only got like a couple things growing out of it. Yeah, but there was like a big sort of pot full of them and I got this like great macro shot. So it's like, it's not something I'm using every day because I'm not taking macro shots, but when you want to get it, having the versatility of being able to drop down to macro mode is really cool. And doing the slow-mo recording in macro that the iPhone talked about just seems like, I mean, it's one of the, it's super niche, but like if you're, I don't know, if you're like vlogging on the iPhone or something, which you could kind of do really well now because it just gives you so many different like, variations to film you know what i mean like you can do yep. zoom wide ultra wide macro slow-mo time lapse like you just are able to like vary it so easily which is having like one simple device with one lens setup that it's it's kind of crazy you know not for everyone but in those instances will be really useful apple also makes like similar claims regarding camera improvements with the 13 pro and the 13 pro max again like i really think that this is going to be an incremental camera improvement year and that apple's hyping this up but I, I got to try it. I'm going to do photo comparisons and, and see if any of these claims are true. But they they say that the behind the scenes on a very technical level that we won't get into right now on the podcast, um, it's been entirely reworked. Who knows if that's true? We'll see when we when I sit down and use it. The other thing on the photography and video side of things is the new cinematic mode. For me, like it looks cool in videos. Again, like I think it looks pretty fake. Like it's it's too much for me, like that effect. It's a little slow, yeah. Yeah, and it seems slow, but for the average iPhone user, I think it's something that they might find cool, if that makes sense, but it's one of those features that's certainly not for me personally. Um, I think it'll be able to add a lot of like dramatic effect to things like TikToks or things that are sort of more comical and more like heightened sort of camera use within them. It's a little less nuanced than like a, you know, a Hollywood movie. And I think that it will serve it well there. The other one thing I noticed about it too, is apparently it's only 1080p, which is kind of whatever, but weird to see. Were you about yeah. to say 1080p 32, isn't it? Um, that's fine. You would want it to be 30 if you're filming something more cinematic. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. It, but yeah, still weird. Yeah. It seemed like watching the demos, obviously you can only figure out so much from the demos compared to trying it out for yourself. But the cinematic mode that most of the stuff they showed off some of it, I was like, Oh, that looks kind of neat. But the rest of it was like this either very obviously looks fake or something looks off about it, which yeah. tells me that it looks that it's like not a hundred percent real. Um, so it was just like really weird watching that demo. I kind of expected Apple being Apple for a feature like that to have a lot more polish than what it did. Yep. Um, so I was, I was almost kind of disappointed, I would say in what the cin- cinematic mode is. I don't think that that means that it will get any less use like, like Brad. Uh, I do think it'll see a kind of big um, use in maybe TikToks and that kind of blogger uh, sphere. Um, but beyond that, like I highly, highly doubt that any actual movie film person is going to make a movie with an iPhone in cinematic mode. Like, I just don't see that happening. I agree. And then I guess the, the, the last thing that's worth talking about with the pro um, and the pro max before we get into like some of the things that we didn't see is the fact that it features 120 Hertz display. That's been rumored like for three years now with the iPhone I think the speculation was that like Apple couldn't get it to work without it affecting battery life considerably. Who knows what happened, but they have again, this it's is the Apple variable playing. rate stuff. That they, that, yeah, I'm assuming very, it's the variable rate stuff that allowed them to keep the battery life the same. So one plus, which, like, which like I was going to mention, this is again, Apple taking something that an Android manufacturer, at least as far as I'm concerned, Samsung in this case, pretty firmly established and, I was hoping they'd build on it in a meaningful way. Maybe they have, but from what I saw during the presentation, like, and don't get me wrong, like, I'm happy that this is here. It's long overdue. Like, these phones cost a crap ton of money and they need a feature like this. Like, they just do. Like, there's no other way to say it. But it didn't seem like Apple improved the concept of 120 hertz, 120 hertz refresh rate in any way over like a key Android competitor like Samsung, for example. Yeah. I, th- I think part of the issue as well, so a lot of people kind of have this notion that 
when Apple does something, they usually don't do it first, but they do it best, which is fair that, you know, historically has been the case with some things, but I was, I think it was The Verge. I was reading something from The Verge the other day and they were like, the problem with that notion is there are some features that you just can't improve, right? Yeah. And I would say 120 hertz is like a prime example of that. There's only so much that you can do with a 120 hertz display. And I just don't see any significant area where Apple can improve a 120 hertz display and make it way, way, way better. Sure, like maybe they could come out with a display that's more than 120 hertz. But at that point, you're getting into diminishing returns. And most people uh, outside of like, I don't know, professional gamers who use 300 hertz monitors and can like actually see that difference, the vast majority of people aren't going to notice a difference between 120 hertz yeah, and like totally. 240 hertz. A lot of people probably won't even notice the difference between 60 hertz and 120 hertz. Yeah, but I would say that that difference is more noticeable than anything above 120 hertz. So, yeah, yeah, it's. I mean, it's a nice update, and like we said, some we wanted. I know you were wanting it for years too. Like, yeah, I just like. I'd love to have a bunch of iPhones just put them on a table and meet like a bunch of random people and just to see like what they notice, you know, cause it's, I, I don't think, and I've contended this, like when I've reviewed Samsung phones, like I see the difference with 120 Hertz. I do. Like I really truly do. I saw it back in the day when Apple was doing the same thing was one of the first companies to do the same thing with the, with the iPad pro. Um, but I like you show that you show, like I would show it to my mom and be like, here's the old iPad. Here's the new iPad. What do you notice about the screen? And she would be like, nothing. It looks the same to me. So I I do think to some extent that it's something that we care about and we notice and, and we really do see, but that the average person maybe maybe just doesn't see it in the same way we do. But the, the other thing that I want to talk about to do with this is part of the story of this streaming, uh, California streaming Apple event is the stuff we didn't see. Um, so first off, like for me, one of the things that I was super excited for as a big fan of the, the Apple watch, like I, I, I you wanted really like the, new the design? Apple. Yeah. I wanted the new design. I, I really yeah. like the Apple watch. It's one of the few products that like I've covered from rumors all the way to the first generation and every single version of it over the course of my career. I, I like it. I think it's like leagues ahead of anything that any other manufacturer is doing. I, I wear the thing every, every day. I was really, really hyped for getting like this rumored squared off version and it just, it wasn't there. And it made me start to think that perhaps Apple's getting a little more savvy with these leakers and is, and is maybe like feeding fake information because that rumor was super prevalent. Like that yeah. was everywhere and from various sources. There's even people making like CAD renders. I was, I was certain that we were going to see it. Like I would have bet a lot of money on it wow. and we didn't. It, the series seven, like we'll talk about it later was pretty much just the same thing, but that's, that's not the whole story. Like John, you did a lot of this like satellite iPhone coverage stuff for us. That was another big thing that we really didn't, we didn't see at all. Yeah, there was, I mean, the, the whole event was basically just to me, it felt like Apple saying, screw you leakers. You were <laughs> wrong. Yeah, it did. To an extent. You don't know there because there was so many things where you know there was rumors and leaks and all this stuff from very credible sources and those things just didn't appear so with the satellite situation what kind of happened with that was i i would say it was almost like a game of broken telephone or a broken iphone if you will where i think it was analyst broken ming chi kuo I'm probably mispronouncing that. Um, I think that's how he... you pronounce it. Could be wrong. What's that? I think that's how you pronounce it. I could be wrong. Though. Okay. If that's not, I don't know. There's like not comments to let me know in the comments, but. Oh, someone will tell you. Someone will tell comment. me. I'm sure. Maybe on YouTube. Um, anyway, he, he put out a report and basically said um, that Apple, the modem in the iPhone 13 was going to use a band called N53. If I believe, yeah, N53, which is a ground-based uh, bit of spectrum that's owned by a satellite operator called Global Star. And 
the whole rumor was basically iPhone 13 is going to have this support for the N53 band, which is owned by Global Star. And that's it. That's how it started. And then a bunch of publications picked it up and it went from iPhone 13 will support support uh, band N53 to iPhone 13 supports Global Star to iPhone 13 will be a satellite iPhone. And uh, there was a couple people such as PC Mag's uh, Sasha Sagan who kind of pushed back on that and said, this is probably not what's going to happen. Um, and like, it doesn't really make sense because N53 is ground-based spectrum. So like, it doesn't, you know, make sense that if the iPhone supports it, it's going to be satellite connected. And then Mark Gurman from Bloomberg, who is a super, super reliable uh, Apple leaker, Rarely came wrong. out with this big, big, big report leakers. about all the satellite features that were going to come. And to be clear and to be fair, uh, German said that the features likely wouldn't come to the iPhone 13. They were something that Apple was working on and might be in a future iPhone, but they weren't going to be in the iPhone 13. Okay. Um, so maybe we'll still see them. But uh, with, now that the, the dust of the event has settled, the iPhone 13 doesn't even have the N53 band that this whole rumor kind of started from. So it's like, not only was the rumor wrong in like multiple accounts, but like it just was really interesting to see how it started with this one thing. It grew really quickly and kind of, I would say, spiraled out of control into a bunch of really big rumors. And it all amounted to nothing because none of it, the, none of it was true. Yeah. And then that's not the only thing. Like Bennett, there's the AirPods, right? You and I like... We assume that Apple would show off the AirPods, the, the third gen AirPods, for those who aren't aware, yeah. because like they've been rumored forever. We basically know they exist. And it's an iPhone, it's an iPhone and iPad event. It right? made like sense we, to put them outside beside the iPhone. Yeah, exactly. We didn't see them at all. Like, no. do you think we're going to see them in an event later this year uh, when Apple's so. like rumored to review the Max, re- sorry, reveal the Max? I, I mean, I hope so. I'm not deleting my post. I wrote like, a stub to get ready. I was like, I know the AirPods are coming out. Apple's going to reveal AirPods blank, you know, blank this, like a, basically filled out a post, like a, what are those ones where you fill in all the adverbs and nouns? And I was like, basically like a mad li- lives of a post, just waiting for the information with the AirPods to come out. I was so confident to like 200 words, biggest stub I ever made. No AirPods didn't get to put it up. So saving that post based on the rumors and hoping that down the line, it will, It'll come back. But yeah, I don't know. There seemed like huge rumors, like like you said, with the watch. Like the it just seems so logical and so set in stone and everybody seemed to be talking about it. And we we all fell victim to it. Um just another thing kind of, you know, off the side of that. I'm sad that they're not here. But anyway, I'm happy the new iPad's here. But off the side of that is um German was saying that this was going I think he said like in a tweet, he was just said like iphone apple watch event or iphone airpods event september and then like later on ipad and mac event and even that was wrong because this was an iphone apple watch and ipad event although maybe they'll revamp the ipad air or pro again in the fall like later in the fall but yeah he seemed way off base because it was not ready for the ipad news at all i'm happy that it happened but i was not ready yeah i could i could see that being the case because the ipads they talked about at this event were um I guess you could say the consumer iPads. It's it's like almost the ones like... that are just aimed at regular average people. Whereas, you know, maybe the other iPads that we'll see at the other iPad Mac event um, will be like the iPad Pro revamp or something. Well, that's, a, that's probably a good place to do a quick ad break before we jump into to talking about the iPad mini and the iPad. I To me, like those are the devices, not the devices. The iPad mini was in some ways more exciting than the iPhone 13. So we'll, we'll get into that in, in a couple seconds. All right, Bennett, you wrote the iPad mini post. You also wrote the iPad post. The iPad is boring as hell. There's nothing interesting about it. I reviewed wow. one last year Gosh, and was like, yeah. this, this thing's fine. Like if you need an iPad for your kids, it's the pandemic. They need a computer of some sort. They really want an iPad. Sure. Get, get this bad boy, but it's, it's boring. The design is the same thing that we've seen for like half a decade at this point. This year's well, iPad more, is the same longer, thing. Longer, dude. It's like the same iPad as forever. You know, like they yeah. just made it a little bigger. But this is like, 
This is the this is looks the same. the same as the iPad Air. That was the second iPad to ever come out. Just with a new processor, which okay, sure, like throw throwing the the old parts in that thing. But and it's a little mini, bigger. It is is it a little bigger actually? Yeah, uh, a few years ago they just bumped it up like an inch okay. or something. It used to be like nine something. Now it's like ten something. Um, I'm pretty sure. But that, even that happened a few years ago. I'm pretty sure because I have both. I have like an older one that's the original iPad size, and then the newer one that's a little bit bigger. But you, you don't really it's, notice the difference. But the mini, the mini was the keep the mini just got bigger for the first time yesterday. But the mini was exciting, right? Yeah, the mini was yeah definitely. Like, do you talk about that? Tell us like what the deal is with the mini, like USB C. I don't want to talk about the mini. Let's talk about the boring iPad. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) I don't want to talk about that one at all. I know you don't. You're pushing me away. Yeah, basically, the mini is think of it more as a mini iPad Air. That's the way I've been describing it to everyone. Works with the new Apple Pencil two. That's the Apple Pencil that magnetizes to the side of your iPad to charge. It has less latency. It has a the iPad itself has a colorful and squared off design, very reminiscent of the iPad Air, although they are different colors. For them, I think they're all different colors, um, except for maybe the black or white versions. And then it's also got the A the A15 Bionic chipset, so same chipset. This is in the new iPhone, sort of the cutting edge for mobile chip in iPhones and iPads, I guess, you know, we're expecting it to be snappy as with the base level iPad only got an A13 Bionic. So probably fast, but not as fast. And the biggest, most important change, a USB-C port. Should we clap? Should we cheer? Yeah, let's clap. I would bet that the iPad mini, um, and I would love to see this like through benchmarks. I would bet it's probably the most powerful iPad that Apple has ever released because it has the A15 and it has such a smaller screen. I'm no, I don't think it would beat the Pro with the M- M1 chip. You think so? Oh, yeah. I don't think it could. <laughs> yeah. that, no, you're not, right. You're right. I totally forgot exact... that the Pro has the M1. Yeah. It might was, be more I was going to be on board with the Air. I take that yeah. back. Yeah. It's the, that M1, man. It's too strong. Yeah. I forgot about that. I was sad. The mini, I would buy a, a Mini with an M1, to be honest. I, I want that now. Um, just the fact, I mean, can I, if I'm just going to gush for a bit, I'm like a big iPad guy. I don't use them that much, but I've always had like my first sort of or my second sort of laptop in my life was an iPad. And I used that for years to call my notes on it, did like schoolwork on it, wrote, you know, made movies, wrote uh, essays, whatever like that. In high school, I was an iPad guy and I loved it. And I, I always dream about going back, but the iPad mini seems like a good way for me to go back as an adult because it's not big enough that it's going to like tempt me to do real work, you know, but it is small enough that I can bring it with me and use it as sort of like a side work device all the time. Like I could be on the couch. I could definitely write a feature on there. Uh, USB-C means I can like plug in my regular USB-C SD card reader and just like put all my, like edit all my photos on there really easily. The fact that it's got the new Apple pencil that magnets to the side, like really lends itself to that. Um, When I'm like doing video in the field, this is one thing that's been really annoying me is I always have to bring a laptop um, so I can like offload my footage and watch it to make sure like the exposure is correct because the screen on my camera is not very good. I think I'm getting better at sort of eyeballing it, but it, it, like we've had issues where the laptop screen is kind of a useful check tool. Now I can literally just plug straight into the iPad mini and the iPad mini can be my teleprompter and it can review my footage and it, like it's sick. I'm excited. It, it seems like a really perfect like companion computer device. I want one so bad and it's going to take like <laughs> my power not to purchase one because it'd be stupid, right? Like I have so many iPads, like I, I do not need an iPad mini. There's absolutely no way, but I think, I think if I were to recommend an iPad to someone, at, at least right now, like it used to be the iPad Air. That was the one that I'd be like, if you want a high-end yeah. iPad and you like care about design and stuff like that, I would say the iPad Air. Now I would be like, in some ways, almost leaning towards the Mini to some extent. Definitely, definitely. Like, uh, there's one other thing I was going to say about it. Um, oh yeah, uh, just I'm like the to... size. Sorry, John. Just one last thing. Those sizes, I would say, lends itself to being an ebook, like an e-reader com- competitor, a lot better than the bigger iPads. This last sort of thing. I was just going to jump in and say that I will also, well, I won't say that I will. I really, really want to buy an iPad mini, um, which was kind of, I was hoping that I would come out of this event. Like I really want to buy an iPhone 13 mini. Apple did not sell me an iPhone 13 mini. They sold me an iPad mini for sure. I, I would say there's a very high likelihood that I will own an iPad mini in the near future. Yeah, it seems like it seems like the Apple tablet to get, and like it's giving me huge Nexus Seven vibes. Like, I it's just mm-hmm. bringing me back. I, w- I want it. Um, the uh, 
actually a fun anecdote like the the og like the original ipad mini was yeah. i think i think it might have been the first apple device no i owned an iphone 3g s at that time but it was the first ipad that i ever bought i like lined up in front of like a best buy or something like that you did the to line, buy it. Yeah? Nice. um it was like the year that it came out which i have absolutely no idea what that was like 2011 or 2012 or something it was like the hot commodity because it was so much cheaper oh, yeah. than the standard iPad. It was impossible to get. Um, it's interesting that so it's cool to see hype behind, the years, behind eh? it again. Sorry? It's it's interesting that we've seen that switch where the iPad mini used to be the base model iPad. Yeah. And now it's there is the iPad with the 10 inch screen and the lightning connector and the old style design, which is basically at this point screaming, I'm an iPad for education. And then the iPad mini sort of starts the real sort of consumer iPad line. Although I still think a lot of people are better off buying that old one just simply because it's still fast. Yeah, Big screen, too. works well. Media consumption device. And if you get that keyboard, even if you do see on-screen keyboard, you can do a little bit of work on it. Especially if you my don't care part, what your devices look like. My favorite part of the base iPad announcement was when Apple stopped and said, and for education, it's thirty dollars cheaper. Like it was like yeah. some big deal. Yeah, <laughs> that that really made me happy. Yeah. Well, um, I think a lot of it is probably like school boards buying them in bulk and stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. Like that's when another I was... thing. I I would love to see stats on that, it's particularly in Canada. Well, we'll never get that, but I would love to see how frequently that actually happens. At least in Canada. Like I know that I've seen stories about like California school boards buying like bazillions of iPads. I would really like to know if that's a common thing um, in Canada. My mom's school, my mom's a vice principal, and I think her school, which is in like rural Ontario, has okay. like two or three iPad carts. My high school had two iPad carts when I went there like 10 years ago, which is crazy. Um, so, you know, like they, I don't think it's not like every student gets an iPad, but it's like, well, they have I some. think that changed quite a bit within the pandemic, to be honest, but a lot of that was Chromebooks just simply because they were a little cheaper. Um, but I think there always are some iPads roaming around. And when I was in the Apple briefing yesterday, they mentioned that I was like, you know, do you think we'll ever see the original iPad go to the USB-C port now that the entire iPad lineup is USB-C except for this one? And they were saying maybe, well, they didn't say maybe this and blah, 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 mislead, mislead, mislead. But essentially the answer seemed to be that, um, what am I trying to say? That education, like the accessories that they use for education and those like carts are very expensive with all like the lightning ports for charging, like all of that them makes sense. Can all like charge and sync together. And it just seemed like that education system will probably still be on that port for another like three or four years if I had to guess. So maybe, maybe they are making the smarter move. That being said, if they could do one with a lightning port and with USB-C port to, to appease both education and like regular consumers would probably be the yeah. move that I would like to see them make. That makes a lot of sense, actually, uh, if you think about the Microsoft Surface Pro line, which mm. has had the same design for years. And the reason why is because businesses buy them in bulk and then expect all their accessories and everything to work with all of them. So for the next few years to come, yeah. um, John, you're kind of the same age as me. Do you, do you ever have like iPad carts and stuff like that in your high school? Uh, no, we did have a laptop okay. cart, which I remember fondly because the I only ever got to use it once in one class. We had it and there was like several of them at the school, but only one class that I was in ever like took out the laptop yeah. cart for, for a class. And uh, my vice principal accused me of stealing one of the laptops because he didn't know that I had an Android tablet that I had brought from home. Uh, <laughs> So I, I had been using that. I didn't even sign out one of the laptops. Yeah. Apparently one of the laptops had gone missing. And so, uh, you accused me of stealing it. And yeah. I was like, John's always tablet. got those tech devices in the halls. Lock them up. <laughs> it was like a so weird, that, weird uh, tablet too. It was some like Lenovo tablet running uh, Honeycomb. Nice. 3.0. I'm so old that my school didn't even have um, like laptops. We just had a computer lab that you like went to. Yeah, yeah we, we had never those. went to it. Yeah, we had purpose. those too. Um, my elementary school, this we're getting a little off topic. My elementary school classroom, it was such a small school that grade seven and eights were in the same class. So I was in this room for two years and it was also the computer lab. So at some points there'd be like four grades in there, just like two different yeah. grades using computer lab and then seven and eights just doing regular classwork. That's hectic. Yeah, it was quite a time. Okay. Let's talk about the Apple watch series seven. There's not a heck of a lot to go over with this again. Like I was hyped for this. I thought it was going to be sick. It was not the redesign we were hoping for. The colors Basically, are fun. Sorry? 
they said the new colors are fun. There's yeah, a lot of the colors, colors in the base model I'm at, uh, Apple Watch this year, and I, I think people will like that. The colors are fun. The new green's kind of neat. Um, but in terms of new features, what we have is a slightly more curved design, a bigger display, and that's part of why Apple is justifying the fact that, and, and I think that this is the case, I can't 100% confirm it, that with watchOS 8, the new like swipe typing thing, that's only available on the Series 7 and not yeah. older Apple Watches, as far as I know. And they're saying because the screen is bigger, obviously that's not really like 100% honest statement because I'm sure you could use the swipe typing on an older Apple Watch. It's justification. So, it's just not very good justification. Yeah. yeah. Yes. It's It seems really silly to me because, yes, the screen is bigger, but it's like not that much bigger. No, it's like you a few millimeters. And yeah. on so, yeah. top of that... Like swipe typing on anything that small is a nightmare. Typing yep. in general on anything that small is a nightmare. So I don't think it's the big standout feature they think it is. That said, yeah. but like as, as someone who like does send text messages occasionally when I'm like riding my bike or something to people, um, the ability to actually swipe type, like I'm not going to do it a lot. I'm not going to write a lot, but the ability to not just use canned responses and be able to actually type, I am looking forward to being able to do that. Some of the other new things we have are like IP6X dust resistance um, and the fact that the Apple Watch Series 7 uh, comes in at 41 millimeters and 45 millimeters, which is one millimeter bigger um, than the two previous versions. Bands, sorry, watch bands still work with the old version. That's not something that's going to change. But generally speaking, like I and I don't even have much more to say about this. Like this is the most pedestrian update we've seen with the Apple Watch line since probably the Apple Watch 2 to the 3. Like, the 6, for me, was a huge leap because you have that always on display. That was always, for me, the missing That was the with... 5. That was the 5. Was, was it the 5 that got the always on? I believe it came to the 5 and was... The 6 was a bit pedestrian last year as, as well. But, yeah, I think that was the 5. But the 6, I think, got a new chip at the very least because then they also did the SE at the same time. And then the SE this didn't still has have the, the always chip on. Too. Yeah, there's no chip update this oh, year. Oh, really? But... Well, that's fine though. I don't think I, I have a six and I, I don't find it slow at all. I mean, it's fine. That it's, being said, just while Pat's looking that up, when it, yeah, you're the right, series typing, five. Yeah. the typing thing is whatever. But to be honest, whenever I'm using my Apple watch, I don't have it on now because I'm, I'm using Android, but um, just being able to talk to it, I, I find that still just too cool. You know, it's like 007 comes out and I'm just like, look over my shoulder. I never do that. I'll get the bread. I never do it. Always. Always, I love talking to it. When someone calls me and I get the opportunity to answer it on the Apple Watch and just talk to it, I'll be that guy because I just feel like like a vintage spy and I love it. I, I almost wonder if the Apple Watch hasn't stagnated a bit in recent years because there's virtually no competition on the Android side. Like Samsung well, has several yeah. watches, but literally nothing on the Android side in terms of smartwatches comes even close to what Apple's doing with the Apple Watch. And so I wonder if that might be part of why Apple's kind of stagnated and been like, yeah, we're going to just put out really small updates because why invest the money in making your product significantly better when it's already miles ahead of the competition? There's no competition. Yeah. Like the closest thing for me would be like a Fitbit. Um, and even then, it's not really to some extent the same audience or the same build quality or even like the same price range in, in most cases. There's just like, I'm glad that they're they're continuing with the Apple Watch because I truly do like it. Like I wear one every day, yeah. but as a Series Six owner, I have no reason to update to the Series Seven. And even you could make that argument that like there's no update, no reason to update from the Series Five to the Series Six, right? Yeah, it's tough. I don't know. I've I've been trying to think about this because I've kind of been landed on the same spot as John. It's just like the innovation, the pace of innovation. Smartwatches are getting slow. It's like. Oh, Tai Chi, like on this Apple Watch, it's like this should this be in the presentation or should there have just been a press release? Yep. You know what I mean? That's such a small feature and like such a affecting such a small subset of uh, already a small subset of people. Um but then again when I was sort of thinking about it then I was like, I don't even know what else I would add. You know, it's become such a really strong fitness device. It's probably I guess could use where I sort of landed was maybe more in the health zone, more sensors and things related to that for like the health thing. But then again that gets tricky and navigating that fine line of being a consumer product, but also actually helping people with real health problems is, is a very tricky place to put yourself in because I, not the, people just rely on you more for really accurate information. It has to be, you know, less room for error. It's tough. Also I don't know. Like, 
health institution approvals like health canada that they run into with yeah that that's true there are rumors mm-hmm. of like more sensors like a body temperature sensor and stuff coming in in future iterations of the apple watch mm-hmm. but like i i don't know like you, you're right it's hit a level of maturity similar to smartphones generally speaking we're like we're not going to see anything that exciting and the simple fact that there's no competition like why add more interesting features to the apple watch when there's there's nothing out there really like it that even comes close but I there think, aren't even I any think, good ideas to steal from. Yeah, one thing exactly. I want, one thing to say: oh. faster charging. This one is faster charging, so 33 percent yeah. faster charging. Which is, if there's one thing I would ask for in the Apple Watch, be better battery life and faster charging. So we got half that, you know, something I guess. Yeah, that is nice. the The other thing I was going to say is, um, and well, we already talked about you know rumors and you Rumor know don't trust everything it. you read, but. There are a lot of rumors about there being some sort of Pixel Watch. I mean, there's been rumors about the Pixel Watch for years. I'd love but... to see that. Same. So if a Pixel Watch happened, and if it was good, do you think that it might give the Apple Watch Series 7 a run for its money and maybe push Apple to do something a little bit more um, out there with the Series 8? The first one won't, I... but yeah, that's the exactly. second one will. That, that's what I would say. Like, first run Google products as someone who reviewed like the pick the first pixel back in the day, they always have like a ton of issues. They don't really live up to sometimes unrealistic and lofty expectations, but I would say that the second one typically does. So maybe the first one will like make Apple kind of like look behind itself and be like, Oh crap, this thing could be good in a couple of years. And then the second one will be like, Oh yeah, we, we have to start doing stuff. And like, I want to see that. I want to see competition in that space. Like I would love mm-hmm. for, for Google to come out swinging and like, truly have interesting things with a potential pixel watch definitely and it'll be interesting to see if any company whether it's google or samsung will get a smartwatch to the level of the apple watch because one of the biggest selling points of the apple watch and you know apple products in general that i would argue is the ecosystem and if, if you get an iphone you get an apple watch you get an ipad you get your airpods they all work really really well together in a way that basically no other product on the market does no other tech product on the market at least um samsung gives so. it a, gives it a shot but galaxy watch is terrible good. yeah they kind of like stick within their earbuds tablet phone watch zone they don't really have even the tablets the tablets and the, and the computers aren't really there as strongly and even the the earbuds i don't think are as integrated as airpods with apple products there is a surprising amount of um software to make samsung tablets work nice with windows like i was surprised mm-hmm. by that's true when they, I, and particularly like, when i re- reviewed the samsung book earlier this year laptop whatever whatever it was called mm-hmm. there's like it came with like 15 pre-installed apps that were all basically just for connecting various tablet features to the windows ecosystem yeah, I mean, and you can integrate a Samsung phone with Windows quite heavily, like more than you can do other Android phones. But it's like, out of all of my friends, I have one friend who's like remotely techie who I had to push even quite heavily to connect his Android phone to his PC just so we could get like messages and photos and those other notifications coming through. I don't know if you, I'm assuming you've set that up at one point or another. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I, I've the Your set Phone it up. Companion. I um, do not use it on a regular exactly. basis. Exactly. It's just, it's not the same, you know, as much as other companies would try. It will take, back to sort of the root of this question, which is like if the Pixel Watch will compete with the Apple Watch, it will take a few iterations to like develop that ecosystem that I think is, is so important for Apple products. Because once you're in, you don't want to leave. And nobody else has that. Anyway, that's all I got to say on that. Yeah, I think that's probably a good place to wrap it up. I would say that this was, generally speaking, a pretty, pretty boring, to be quite honest, Apple event. Everything was was quite expected. I think the biggest surprises were the things that we didn't see. I am really hyped to see another Apple event later this year where we hopefully see the MacBook Pro refresh. I think that's long overdue. It sounds like Apple's finally listening to to people. Like there could be an SD card slot. They're bringing back MagSafe. There's other rumors regarding like a new squared off design, ditching the touch bar. That's all for another podcast. But I I do think that Apple will have exciting announcements down the line this fall. Like was, a good podcast. was the Apple event boring because the announcements were bad or was it boring because everybody was hyped by the rumors and the announcements didn't live up to the rumors? Hmm. The latter. The latter is precisely why, right? And I think this is one of the first times, well, at least the first times that I can remember in quite some time, where the rumors 
like not all rumors are right, right? Like we report on them mm-hmm. and we try to use our best judgment about regarding what's accurate and what's not probably. But in this case, like this is the first time I've seen a big difference between what we expected to see and what we actually saw. Um, yeah, that, that'll be my last word on it. Let's quickly, very quickly talk about the games that we've been playing over the last little bit. I don't think I talked about this on the podcast before, but I've been playing um, Elder Scrolls Online. I've never played an MMO before. This game's like incredibly accessible as long as you go into it with with appropriate expectations, which I would describe as like, don't think that this is going to be a next-gen experience. (laughs) Assume that it's going to be like playing Morrowind or Skyrim, stripped down a little bit, but online with other people. Um, Been playing it a ton with my brother, and I've actually had had a lot of fun with it. Super accessible, very simple combat system, very simple leveling system. Most of the game's world uh, is open to you as soon as you start playing. Enemies level with you, which I think makes a, a big difference in terms of just making the game easier for the average person to pick up and play. But with that, I would say there's also like less of a sense of accomplishment because like you can pretty much go anywhere in the game from the moment you, you start playing it because the enemies level with you. But I, I've had a ton of fun with it. And I've never played an MMO RPG before, and it, it's cool. It's a good one. If if that's if you're if you're bored this fall and you're looking for a game to play, I, I can't recommend it enough. Um, Bennett, that's... have you been playing anything? Yeah, RuneScape. No, I'm kidding. Um, uh, I, I actually played. played I played a few games in between this podcast and the last one because I've been I've been lacking. But so in between now and the last podcast, uh, an embargo lifted, and I played some Far Cry six got some hands on time with an early demo of that really fun follows the far cry formula but the um island that it's on is really really sweet this time the graphics are great and the character is voiced and they're like third party cutscenes. so i think that helps carry the story and make it a little more um impactful i think yeah a little more impactful you know you just feel you know, you're not first person, like in the story, kind of watching it happen around you. You're just like watching it as you would watch a movie. And I think that um, even though that doesn't quite make sense, I feel like when you're telling a video game story, that ends up being one of the better ways to do it. Um, and then simply the other day, Alex and I were just browsing around. Alex is my girlfriend a little bit. Uh, we're just browsing around the Switch e-store. We bought Towerfall. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that. I used to love Towerfall. Yeah. I played, I was so into that game that I on played it on uh, the Ouya. It, Ooh, it was yeah. an Ouya launch game. I don't know if you guys remember the Ouya. The, the, like, I didn't have an Ouya because I wasn't a tech reporter, and I'm assuming no one that wasn't a tech reporter ever bought one. I but, bought it. Wait, were you a real person at that time? A human being? Uh, no, no. I, I, like, I worked for Post Media. I was reporting on tech, but yeah. I bought it. I don't even know if I, I ever wrote about it, like, for a story. I was, like, into this, like, video game console killer like it was such a cool idea and it was an absolute flaming pile of crap but towerfall was the one saving grace like that game was incredible and i'm so glad that it made it to other other uh platforms you think okay i know we're trying to wrap up you think if the ouya came back now it would be more successful no you know more more powerful system better games no. on android and the fact that you can game stream now no. plus if they just put like no no you have no faith no. okay no. we just done forever don't try to bring it back any soldier boy you heard it here um there's too many other options yeah. out there now with like game streaming and and yeah it, it's just not like I a guess. thing that it was a, it was a thing of its of its place and its time and it sucked then it would and it would suck even more today um okay back to what i'm playing i guess you're, you're probably right back to what i'm playing towerfall alex and i played is pretty fun i'm excited to like bring it over next time I'm with like a group of people i want to play like four player and oh, if we ever get back in the office it, it, yeah I'm, it's really fun um and then just randomly i was at my buddies for his birthday and somebody brought this like pokemon drinking game which is like a basically like a giant sort of snakes and ladders size game board but every square is like some sort of pokemon related rule anyway after playing that i started playing pokemon soul silver on an emulator on my android phone and uh, i never really played a ds emulator before and this one's called like my ds uh actually give me a second to look up the right word because it's really it's really good the haptic feedback on the buttons is sweet no it's called i've never drastic. used a ds emulator before d-r-a-s-t-i-c and i don't mean, i don't want cool. to recommend emulators too much but like haptic feedback on the buttons it works really well no lag so far really smooth i'm happy with it and uh you know love pokemon as always what about you john nice. 
Uh, I have done, I have made my annual uh, return to do Destiny 2. Um, the pilgrimage. I probably yeah. talked about this game on the podcast Don't tell before. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I have a very much a love hate relationship with this game. I really enjoy it. I, I like uh, first person shooters. I like, you know, action RPG elements. And I like space themes. I think space is really cool. Space is um, cool. And I am not a huge uh, competitive gamer. Like, I don't really like competitive games. So something like Destiny 2 where I can just hop in and, you know, do some PvE events and plink away at at some cool-looking space monsters and then get new gear for my space wizard. Yeah, it's definitely up my alley, but Bungie consistently just does frustrating stuff with the game and the community (laughs) gets mad and then they undo the thing and... So it's just in this weird kind of cycle of constantly getting better and worse at the same time uh, and not really going anywhere. But I usually will get back into it in the fall ahead of whatever the next big expansion is, because that's usually kind of like the peak. And then after the new expansion comes out, it plummets pretty hard because uh, Bungie will do a bunch of stuff and then everybody hates it and then it'll come back. So that's where I'm at at the moment. I've been very desperately waiting for it to come to xbox game pass for pc i know it's on game pass for console um just because i don't want to fork out the money for the game because i know that i don't i'm not going to play it enough to justify the purchase but if it was on game pass i would be like yeah i can experience the new content without forking out 60 dollars plus whatever it costs for the season pass for the year yeah yeah that's fair I played a um, ton funny, of Destiny 2 when it first came out, but I, I haven't touched it in years. The funniest thing is, like, the way you're describing it, so, like, offhand, like, yeah, the, the DLC will come out. Everyone will love it. Destiny will, the Bungie will do something. Everyone will hate it. It's, like, listening to you, you're like, yeah, he's just kind of, like, saying it. It's, like, no, that actually has happened, like, four or five times yeah. from, like, Destiny 1 to 2, like, consistently yeah. throughout the Destiny 1 to 2 life cycle. It's, like, that happened so consistently. It's just hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's weird. And... Because they, they like do this like whole season pass thing where they have like four kind of mini DLCs and then one big fall event DLC that like adds a whole bunch of new stuff to the game. And it's like every time the big fall DLC comes out, it's really great. It's cool story stuff. Everybody's really hype. Doesn't live up to the hype. Everybody's mad. Bungie does a bunch of stuff in the seasons to try and fix things. Everybody gets more upset. Then in the last season before the next thing, Bungie like fixes everything. Everybody's hype again. They tease the new season. Everybody gets hype. New DLC comes out and it just repeats the cycle. So that's where I'm at. Next next time I'm on the pod, I'll probably be disappointed and frustrated with Bungie. And say, I won't be playing Destiny like I'm, looking, I'm looking sounds forward like to a bad time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is a guy in ESO. I'm playing like wow with a reskin. Yeah. I never, I never thought I'd like it, but but here I am spending like at least a couple hours a week uh, developing my my wood elf into uh, a fearsome warrior. But uh, incredible, yeah. Wait, do you play on console? Just sorry, is it even console? Are you playing on your PC? I would never play a PC game. Um, okay, I'm playing on Xbox well. Series X. Okay, okay, cool. I, I just don't, I don't play so with a controller, PC, right? Like I've, I've talked about that before. I play with a, a controller, like. Well, it, it's things all, like MMOs are a little slower paced. I feel like you, you know. It's also like not might... cross platform, right? So everybody else is on on Xbox. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I could Weird. I could say so many like interesting anecdotes that we do not have time for from like walking into a town with like a bazillion people in it and one guy just like standing on a, a tree stump making fun of every single person that walks past him to like people just screaming at me in the middle of a mission that I'm I'm not even like in their party because there's proximity voice chat in the game. It's one of the, cool. the first games in a long time that has featured proximity voice chat on, on a console. So Good. that's been an interesting Incredible. experience, but we got to wrap this talk. up. We've gotten way over. That's it. No. Thanks for listening to the syrup cast. You can find me on Twitter at, at Patrick underscore Rourke. And of course on mobile syrup.com Bennett, where can people find you? You can find me anywhere at the Brad fad um, and mobile syrup.com and mobile syrups, YouTube channel, which we have relaunched. I didn't say anything about it, but I bought this shirt on a video it's from Niagara Falls. That one's coming soon. And my island MacBook video is up. Uh, people seem to like it. That is the very few people that make it all the way through. So go watch it and I it's hope a you long enjoy. One. It's a long it one, is. but a good The one. retention graph is scary, but uh, it's, it's, it is entertaining, I think. There's some, there's some fun tidbits within. And John, where can people find you? 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter at John underscore Lamont, and that's John with no H, uh, J-O-N underscore L-A-M-O-N-T. And, and as of always, course, on the website, mobilesyrup.com. And as always, you can Actually. find all of our content on mobilesyrup.com and also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at, at mobilesyrup. Thanks for listening. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24.